0: Few things are traditional you cannot touch. Yes, we all want sports to happen, cricket, football, X, Y, Z, everything. But there are few things you cannot touch. Now you tell me one thing. If there's no saliva allowed on the ball and you are saying uh, you can temper the ball, how the hell you will temper the ball?
1: That was an explosive start to ESPN Cricket for Stump Mike by Ashish Nera, whom you will hear from at length a bit later. I'm Kartik Iyer and as you might have guessed, our focus this week is on a proposed change to the ball-tampering law. Later, we will be joined by Daniel Rasool with Umar Akmal in the news once again. Our main story, though, was brought to you exclusively by Daniel Bretting, Assistant Editor at ESPN CrickInfo. As cricket considers legalizing one of the dark arts of the game, we have Dan and Nagraj break down its possible ramifications. This week on Stump Mike, we have with us the man whose exclusive is making waves on crickinfo.com. Welcome, Daniel Reddick, to Stump Mike.
2: Great to be here, guys.
1: How are you doing, Dan? How is this lockdown world treating you? How are you getting along?
2: Uh, It's been an experience, obviously, for everyone. Um, I think I've been very fortunate on a couple of fronts. Uh, One is that... Uh, in terms of how I work generally, I do work a reasonable amount from home. So it's not been a huge dislocation in that, in that sense. And also, um, my partner and I moved into, <clears throat> into a new house, uh, basically the week straight after the women's 2020 World Cup final. So we've had like a fresh, um, a, a fresh house, a fresh surrounding in which to, to, to be. And, and I think that is, uh, that has helped as well. So yeah, in the in the scheme of things, feeling pretty fortunate.
1: So you have been spending this time setting up your new house.
2: Yeah, yeah, quite quite a lot of that indeed.
1: Okay, that's awesome. Now, for anyone who hasn't uh, read, I mean, and, and I don't know why you wouldn't have read Dan's piece over the weekend, but for anyone who hasn't read, can you give us a gist of why this is making creating waves in the cricketing world?
2: Well, we all know that we're in a uh, a a completely different landscape now and there's a lot of lateral thinking that's being required in terms of how society operates, let alone how cricket operates. And within that um, area, uh, there are certain things, certain traditions in cricket that uh, have always been there that are needing to be had um, an examination of because uh, we're now in in a different landscape. We're in a situation where... Uh, you know, there are really absolutely no um, guarantees ultimately about um, about health in terms of, of coronavirus being around and there not being a vaccine for it yet. And I think we saw when uh, Australia played their, their uh, one day international against New Zealand at an empty SCG before everything was shut down, that there was already some discussion amongst the Australian team and uh, certainly in terms of uh, their behaviour, like, you know, they weren't, Obviously, they weren't sort of hugging, shaking hands, high-fiving as much as they would normally if they celebrated a wicket. For instance, they were playing in front of an empty stadium. There had even been a discussion before the match about uh, there's needing to be a balance between doing what you need to do to win cricket matches, but also doing what is considered safe in the current environment. And one of these things, obviously, is what you do to polish and shine the ball, because uh, saliva... Um, saliva, I think primarily sweat sort of as a secondary thing, but primarily saliva has always been used as a, as a, as a bit of a, a natural aid to, 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 uh, to polish the ball and, and, and get it nice and buffed up on the, on the shiny side for a conventional or reverse swing. What we have, uh, have reached though is a, is a point in time where, uh, saliva is seen as a, as a, as a primary, uh, transmitter of, 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 uh, COVID-19, meaning that, uh, a, ball that has been um, spit-shined, for lack of a better term, um, by one or numerous members of a, of a cricket team, and then passed around. It's it's much less uh, safe than it would otherwise have been. And even then, uh, you know, there's some some players in in, in recent times who've, who've noted that yeah, it's when you think about it, it's it's a tradition of cricket, but it's not the most it's not the most hygienic thing to do. Uh, and and so that has brought about a, a discussion in concert with the um, uh, ICC's medical committee, but also the, the various committees that meet around the world in terms of deciding on potential adjustments to the laws of the game or playing conditions in the ICC uh, realm uh, in terms of, well, if we can't use saliva on the ball, we need to allow the ball to be polished uh, because otherwise bowlers aren't going to get the ball to move. Obviously going to affect their chances of getting an even balance between bat and ball. Uh, in a uh, test match, in particular, a long form match. So, uh, one of the, the the discussions is: Well, do we allow a artificial substance to be used under the supervision of the umpires to polish the ball? Now, that all sounds logical in terms of the the um, the transition of the idea, but obviously, ball tampering is a very uh, it's a it's a it's a very uh, hot tempered issue in cricket. Always has been. It's generated legal actions it's generated a, a, a massive scandal in Australian cricket a couple of years ago. So uh to to um really to 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 look at it, it brings home how strange and different this landscape is that we're we're thinking that laterally in terms of how the game might be played in the future.
1: Okay. So I wanna take a step back here now and for anything if I want to learn anything about cricket I turn to Nagraj Golapuri and I have done so again on this week's podcast. Naga welcome once again to Stump Mike. Now as I'm a casual cricket fan yeah and when I look at I I open up these news articles and I'm like spit saliva what's happening here what am I watching why is spit and saliva so important on a cricket field?
3: hi guys hi Dan uh superb story firstly um as Dan explained, spit and saliva have been used or spit and sweat rather have been used forever to work on the ball and when I say work on the ball, it's just not shining the ball but there are different methods that teams and players used and bowlers especially used to um make the ball swing or Especially when it comes to reverse swing swerve and late. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a process that in very simple words, let's say the ball is semi old, right? And it's, it's getting a few scratches. You would rub a little saliva on it, but you won't rub too much because you don't want, uh, the, what do you say? You don't want to rub so much that sh- the other side um uh, the the you want to keep the other side heavy so for that you need to scratch the ball from the other side and there are different ways again teams use uh, uh, they used to conceal various things from nails to artificial uh, objects to keep that other side scratched and heavy and then you use the spit and sweat to shine the ball on the other side. And people have used even Murray or all kinds of sugary, uh, substances to keep a shine on the other side. And that's when you start getting reverse swing. And that is the trouble that bowlers are facing now. Like, how do you do that even under supervision of the umpire that you allowed the substance fine X, Y, Z substance. Uh The umpire says, here it is. You can rub it on the ball. But how many times, how do you use it? How many times can I approach the umpire? And all these questions are what uh, they're confronted with and they can't figure out. And the other thing is like, when do they practice? If if the ICC does approve this, when do they practice? Or do they get to practice on it? Because they need to understand that how much will the ball swing? At what time will it swing? Uh, Can I use it on a new, very new ball? How will it behave? If I use it on a ball which is 70 plus years old, how will it behave? If it is just 25 years old, how will it behave? So, yeah, I mean, these are the questions that uh, people are now randomly starting to ask. But it is a discussion. Like Dan started off this conversation by saying that cricket needs to deploy some sort of lateral thinking to, um, what do you say, to kind of defeat the dangers, the perceived dangers of using saliva in these times. And we'll
1: hear from one of those fast bowlers, Ashish Nehra, very soon in this episode. Dan, now effectively what this proposal suggests is ball tampering. So is this going to bust one of cricket's greatest taboos?
2: I think within ball tampering, there's probably a little bit of a, of a, of a subgrouping you can, you can make. There has long, through the history of the game, been attempts to polish the ball as well as possible and various things that have been tried through history to do that. And quite often those things have been done with, if not a blind eye from the authorities, certainly not as much of a sense of uh, the wrong thing being done anywhere near as strongly as if uh, there are attempts to scratch the ball for instance obviously we saw that in Newlands in 2018 and we've seen it in, in in a few other historical instances but when you talk about uh attempts to polish the ball and 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 use an artificial substance there there are the examples that uh, that I raised in the in the story where um uh where where resin was was something that the bowlers would um would get on their hands ostensibly to grip the ball better but that was also thought to to help in terms of polishing it uh lanolin the, the 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 wax that um that that uh that comes from uh, from wool and, and and is is used on on wool or on, on on other um uh other surfaces at times uh was apparently in the in the in the opinion of Dennis Lilly quite a quite a good way to to get the ball to to buff up nicely with with a shine uh and then obviously in in more um recent times there's been a lot of use of mints and a combination of, of, of the sugar from mints in, in saliva to, uh, to aid the, um, uh, the shining of the, of the ball. And I think, uh, it, it follows quite logically that, um, yeah, it, it, it is a, um, it's a necessary, um, uh, art or a necessary uh, skill for, for bowlers to be able to get the ball shined up and for different reasons in different parts of the world, you know, um, uh, to, to, um, to get the, the shiny side as pristine as possible for reverse swing in some parts of the world. Whereas, you know, say in, in, in England with a Duke's ball in particular, uh, if you can shine the ball well and the conditions are right, you can get the ball to conventionally swing all through the day right until you get a new one. So there is, a lot of incentive there to, uh, to polish the ball and, and, and find ways to do so. And I think probably while we think that this may be an outlandish suggestion in terms of artificial substances, uh, I don't think there is a viable alternative in the sense of not shining the ball. I don't think it's possible to not allow bowlers to shine the ball in, in any way, because then you, you will either get Uh, extremely high scoring matches with not a lot of assistance for bowlers or maybe you go the other way and you have to change the ball more frequently and uh, that will probably take spinners out of the game that will probably aid fast bowlers even more so it's a balanced thing
1: so what are these artificial substances that they're considering
2: they haven't gotten to the stage where they know exactly which ones and i think in terms of uh a, um, uh, I guess to give you a bit of an insight into, into how I, I um, worked up the story, uh, a couple of weeks ago um, I was having a catch-up uh, conversation with, um, with our, our very own Ian Chappell uh, and, and we were talking about this among other issues uh, and, and he, he made the, the suggestion that if you were going to go down a path of, of, of using an artificial substance to polish the ball... What you what you could do is ask ask the 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 um the the captains of the of the test playing nations to all submit one idea from their team of what would be a substance they would like to to use to polish the ball, and uh and and from that you could you could get a little bit of a um a consensus. Um, but at the same time, there is also uh, an acknowledgement, um again, which which is in the piece that. Uh, different brands of ball may react better to different substances. So it's not a scenario where we're likely to see, uh, you know, the ICC approve uh, one particular substance that the umpires carry around with them all over the world, and that's the only thing that's used. There, there needs to be a, a, um, a, a range of, of, of conversations had around the, the concept and, uh, a, a, you know, a provision of um, a certain degree of flexibility, not just in terms of the game around the world, but also the game from the elite level down to the community level. Because obviously it wouldn't make sense to not allow the uh, ball to be shined with saliva at elite level if you're going to continue to let it happen at, at community level. So that that's another thing to consider.
1: And what's the reaction like been in Australia? I know We have heard from Hazelwood, from Cummins. Hazelwood has gone on to say that while white ball cricket will be fine if you don't allow the use of saliva, test cricket, not so much.
2: Yeah, it's certainly uh, created plenty of conversation. I don't think there's, uh, like, in terms of the debate about the story, I think there is a a good degree of understanding that we are in a time where lots of ideas need to be considered. You know, for instance, to to give you an example of of a similar thing, to um, to write the other other week as I did that it, it's possible it's not necessarily likely but it's possible that India could um, have its touring team down in Australia and play all five Test matches at Adelaide Oval because they can they it would be a, a good venue to deem biosecure because the there is a, there is a hotel that's built into the cricket ground now that's a completely outlandish suggestion in a normal cricket universe there wouldn't be any ability for um that sort of scheduling to be done because the other states the other state associations in australia just simply wouldn't have it but we know that we're in an extraordinary circumstance yeah the 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 feedback and the reaction to the ball tampering story has largely been well we need to discuss it it, need, it needs to be um it needs to be looked at
3: as a follow-up to dan's story i spoke to a few of the Form of our pollers and some of them had quite a few interesting points to make. While some agreed that tampering should be legalized, some like Mikey Holding. You might say was being conservative and said that no, this cannot. Why do you want to open a Pandora's box? But Mikey made an interesting point, which I, even I personally feel is something the medical experts and ICC's medical committee and the cricket committee led by Anil Kumble will have to deliberate upon. Is like we are talking about cricket now being and we're looking to cricket being played in biosecure environment, correct? Which means everyone present in that environment will need to be safe. In the sense like that person, he or she has been tested beforehand before they arrive in this environment. Because you can't test a person after arriving because then there is a danger of that person infecting and spreading it to others around. So if in a biosecure environment, you feel that everyone around you is safe, this is the question that cricket will have to answer though, is, what is the danger then of rubbing saliva on the ball? What is the danger of... There has also been reports about umpires not wanting to hold the sweaters or the vests or whatever, uh various things that the players you, usually pass them on when they are bowling or while they are fielding or whatever, or the hats, etc. cetera. What is the danger? How can the virus, if you have been tested, if you have been saved, this is a very simple question that has currently no no answers for. What do you think, Dan, when you were chatting with your people did, did they kind of give? Is, is is Are these questions being asked about?
2: Absolutely, and, and I think yeah, the 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 distinction being drawn between uh, two teams of eleven players playing in an environment where they've been quarantined, they're being tested daily, all of those things clearly make it um, on the face of it safer to um, to polish the ball in the in the traditional manner, but. Uh, One of the other issues is that, uh, as I talked about the game, um, you know, this needing to be broad in terms of, of across countries, but also, also deep in terms of, uh, not just applying to the elite level. Uh, if you, if you accept that in terms of playing cricket with a red ball, that this is a risk factor, it would also it could also look inconsistent if at the elite level they are still spit polishing while at other levels it it is that is deemed unsafe and you can't do it. So uh it may be that playing you know those initial series that are done with a high degree of, of um of health and, and, and safety and, and biosecurity factored in, they may end up doing this uh not as much for their own health or their own safety in relative to COVID nineteen. But in terms of the the message that it gives about what well, we need as a, as a as a sport to uh, get away from a practice that has been natural for a long time because it's not safe anymore to do it across the levels.
3: Yeah. So from what I gather from what you're saying is. At the recreational level, at the community level, at the levels where it cannot be pulled, kind of regulated uh, precisely by the authorities, there's a danger that people might just go and start to continue using saliva on the ball, and there's a danger that it will spread. That's what for am I am I getting that right?
2: Yes, but even more broadly than that, this is a tradition in cricket. Does it need to be a tradition in cricket anymore? That, that and that and that I think works within the whole wider discussion about uh you know as a, as another example if you're playing if you can't play cricket in front of crowds at an elite level for a period of time do you need to play it in the big stadium you were going to that would have that would have filled filled with that crowd maybe not so that that's that's how the 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 all of these things have been um uh shifted a bit in terms of of how people need to look at these issues
3: yeah, I think we should also get a view of the batsman, isn't it? The moment the ball starts swinging late, really, or conventionally, really early on, the batsmen are going to get cold feet or they're going to raise objections. But anyway, that's for another day.
2: Well, I must, I must say, Naga. Sorry, sorry to to interrupt, but um, uh, one opinion that I have heard subsequently to uh, to the story going out was. Uh, yeah, was Adam Gilchrist suggesting that, well, maybe the new rule is that the ball can't be polished at all. And I defy you to find a bowler who will agree to that. Um, uh, just as I will defy you to find a batsman who thinks that, uh, allowing a team to use, you know, whatever it is, leather conditioner, something like that, to shine the ball is fair. That batsmen will say it's unfair. Bowlers will say that it's fair and vice versa if they can't polish the ball.
3: I think something constructive will come out of this debate because, yeah, and it might not just be limited for the current scenario during the pandemic, but even beyond that, that the authorities might consider relaxing the norms on as far as shining the ball goes so that people don't uh try and use concealed things as the Australians were found out <laughs> to do. <laughs> I'm not pointing out Australia, but I'm just saying it's 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 been one example that will come to the mind straight away.
1: And lastly, from you now, the the theme of this entire episode, what we want to revolve around is so ball tampering is legal now. I want to go back two years. Does it make the reaction from Cricket Australia two years towards the bands, towards Smith, Warner, and Bancroft seem even more excessive than what it was?
2: Yeah. So. Uh, I, I think, uh, just as, uh, I drew a distinction between attempts to scratch the ball and attempts to polish the ball, I, I think it's important to remember that at the time of the Newlands scandal, uh, the punishments in particular for, for Warner Smith and Bancroft, uh, had a lot to do with the cover up of what they did, uh, as opposed to what they actually did. So it, it's, um, and, and similarly to that, uh, there was also an acknowledgement, and it was something that was 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 spoken about quite well by uh, by the former umpire Ian Gould in in his um, uh, recently released autobiography. That there was a feeling around world cricket that Australia had been uh, headbutting the line, to use a phrase that they were keen on at the time, uh, for a couple of years, and this was coming to a point of reckoning. So, uh, yeah, I, I think um, there certainly if you if you were to say that uh, smith warner and bancroft were banned for ball tampering uh and now this conversation is happening you would say yes all oh, well that that was that was crazy why why would that have that have taken place but i think it's important to remember that uh had they uh come completely clean with what they had been doing at the time both to the umpires out on the field and then to the wider public post play ...then you see a different outcome
1: there. Dan, thank you so much for joining us on this part. No worries at all, goes. And Naga, you of course are going to be sticking around... ...because we have an interview with Ashish Nehra to follow. What
0: is a ball tempering if you are saying... ...are bhai, one side of the ball when you scratch... ...with your nails, with your bottle cap, with your spikes... ...whatever you want to do it, right?
2: Hmm. But
0: if you scratch the ball from one side... ...doesn't mean ball swings. You have to put your sweat, your uh, saliva... You mare means whatever it is. Then from that other side, ball becomes heavy and then it reverse swings. If ball is rough from both sides, it's not going to
3: swing. Let's say cricket resumes in three, four months' time, right? Yeah. The medical experts are saying, please do not use the saliva, uh, but we, will, we might allow you to use a few artificial things under supervision like of one. the umpire. It could be polish, wax, Something that will help to shine the ball. But what I am saying,
0: see, all these things when you are saying, whatever, wax, polish, gasoline, right? Mm-hmm. First thing first, let's say, right now is April, okay, let's say, cricket resumes in August, I'm just saying.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm.
0: May, June, July, you have three months. But before you play with any XYZ rules ICC comes with, as a bowler, if I am a bowler, if I have to play a test match on 15th of August. I would like to do that experiment on ball with that wax or vaseline or whatever to see how ball reacts
3: okay hmm. as a bowler you would need to get used to whatever these I, products I will,
0: are. i have to get used to it number 1 right hmm. number 2 as i can give in the writing if you put vaseline or you put sli- uh, po- polish or wax whatever you are saying right
4: 5
0: test match it will be a draw if it's a flat wicket, nobody's going to get out. Ball is not going to move. All these balls, Kukabura balls, Dukes ball, these jitne ball hai. First three, four, five, six overs. Let's say at the most, especially in uh, England and all those places, right? Ball will swing. Like three overs, I ball, three overs, uh, Pat Cummins ball, or Bumrah balls, Whoever balls. Five, six overs. okay. Even ball, you don't shine. Ball has that hardness. You will manage, right? Mm once that hardness is gone when ball goes soft then how batsman gets out either ball swings ball seams or ball turns or turn maybe you ask Ravi Ashwin doesn't he shine the ball you Mm -hmm. ask Harbhajan Singh he also shines the ball you know there are few bowlers right there are few bowlers like Muthaya Murli Dharan doesn't make a difference in his life ball is shine or not why because he always used to bowl with scramble screen Mm -hmm. Sakhalen Mustaf no problem why because he used to bowl with scramble uh, seam Chain one problem harvajan singh has a problem ravichandran ashwin has a problem all the leg spinner or off spinner the people they bowl with the seam need ball to be shined in a proper way right hmm. some people some spinners doesn't like when ball is reversing hmm. as, a, as a fast bowler you will like ball is reversing but some spinners they don't like when ball is reversing they like conventional swing
4: hmm. jab
0: ho rao, they like to bowl like that but he was one of them hmm. right So, this rule, according to me, I think too much changing is bad. Rather, you take two months extra, but not not to use your own sweat or slime on the ball is again again one more murder of the bowlers. Let me tell you that.
3: Ashish, I couldn't understand one point. You are saying that all these artificial substances will not make the ball swing. Uh, How is that possible?
0: No, no, no. But what I am saying, see, you will put artificial... Substance, right? Oh. Um, you will uh, all these things will be in umpire's pocket, right?
4: Yeah.
0: But how many times? See, now when you put spit, mm. when you put your saliva, mm. you literally sometimes put after every second, third ball. Let's say ball is even ball is not reversing. I yeah. bowled a ball, ball goes to keeper's hand. From keeper goes to point, covers mid off, comes to me, right? Mm. Sometimes you don't shine that other side pura ball. You only shine that your ball landed on the seam. Sometimes you don't even need to shine. Mm. sometimes you bowl a ball ball goes in the stand for a six or four comes to you damaged Mm. right Mm. then you shine the ball in a different way Mm. you shine a kukabura ball in a different way you shine dukes in a different way you shine edgy test in a different way
4: Mm.
0: you shine a ball new ball differently when ball is old differently when ball is old and it's reversing sometimes you put more sweat Mm. okay Mm. when ball is not reversing you are only using spit when mm. there's a new ball, you only put very, very little spit wherever there's a scratch. Mm. So there are 10 different ways of shining the ball and you have to see ball's condition. Let's say I'll give you an example. Mm. Let's say ball, ball is semi, semi new, mm. right? Let's say a test match is going on 25 overs old HG test ball, but it's not traversing, mm. right? And mm. ball is a little bit soft and you are, you want from umpire to change the ball. Umpire is saying no. Mm. Now, when agitesh is that kind of a ball, if you put too much spit on it, the ball gets even more softer and softer. Hmm.
4: Hmm.
0: Right? The more ball soft gets soft, then you don't get that zip as a bowler, either you're a spinner, either you're a fast bowler.
4: Hmm.
0: You know, sometimes, see, I have also played with people. Let's say when I was new, I am doing something wrong, Shirinath will tell me, don't do like this. Hmm. So when I am old, I see some people have that habit of putting too much spit. Hmm. So I tell them, don't put too much spit right now we will put after 10 overs when it starts reversing right now you put very little otherwise ball will get soft
4: mm-hmm. next
0: 10 overs is not going to swing much let's try to bowl nicely next 10 overs for twenty twenty five runs mm-hmm. but after 10 hours another t- after 10 overs when it starts reversing then we'll put too much pasina or too much thuk mm-hmm. but with all these things what you are talking about a wax or polish and this a reality of a practicality of a player you went know, when, when you play when you
3: played for 8 10 12 14 years and you learnt all these things are out of the equation so you're okay. saying legalizing uh, use of artificial substances under supervision is actually not going to suddenly make the ball swing no, in one chan. line yes because no, because you are used to working on the ball naturally using your spit and sweat, at different points, on different balls, in different conditions, differently. Suddenly you can't... Suddenly, yeah. Yeah, and the pitch also different matters. Different surface? Different surface. So the way you right. shine and when you shine are all these are different things. And even if you have a, a substance in umpire's pocket, you're not going to... You but can't, how many times? Yeah. There
0: are too many hits and Yeah. You tell me, number one, umpire's pocket, how many times you can use it? Yeah. Okay. Can you use it after every four, five hours? You
4: mm-hmm. can't
0: do it? Because all the batsmen will hit uh, a four on the fan, hmm. right? Then bowler will feel like, okay, this is got scratched. I want to put something on it. So you're trying to tell me, bowler will be keep putting on that. There are too many ifs and buts. Too many. Like, it's uh, it's like too, uh, playing in empty stands can be done. Because you're not playing with... Now, see, in this article I read, that uh, some uh, the one which you sent it to yeah. me, that one guy is shining the ball, right? Hmm if somebody gives me a choice between okay ajinara you have to choose one thing as a captain either you can put wax or uh, vaseline or shoe polish whatever you are saying but uh, 100 grams in a day you can use now you choose how you want to use that 100 grams okay mm. or you choose only one guy in your team will shine the ball i'll choose that one guy shining the ball in my team mm. Because what you will, you can do, you see in every team, Nagaraj, you know who is doing, uh, who is good doing what, right?
4: Mm.
0: So now, Virat Goli, you are the captain, you choose one guy, either it's a bowler, either it's a slip uh, guy, or whoever one guy you choose, he's the only one who will put the saliva, he will maintain the ball basically for the bowlers. Mm. That is a ten times better idea than this.
3: Mm. Okay. And, oh yeah, now, simple basic question. Forget saliva, forget this. Should ball tampering be allowed?
0: No, but again, up now I'll see. Now, one thing is, I can give you answer in one word: yes or no. Second, what is ball tampering?
3: Ah, so tell me, what I'm happy to about? listen. That's I'm fine. I'm not saying that yes or no. See, ball tampering is see ball tampering. According to the
0: rules, they have gone that you cannot scratch the ball with your nails, right? You cannot keep anything sharp in your pocket to. Uh, scratch the ball non-shiny side right see mm-hmm. no bowler touches the shiny side when people either it's a conventional swing or either it's a reverse swing you what you do you like to keep shiny side really nice right mm-hmm. so but what, what is the whole idea basically non-shiny side you are scratching as much as possible so what is happening you want to keep that shiny side really nice and non-shiny side really damaged right mm-hmm. then shiny side you are making it heavy with your spit with your uh,
3: sweat your view is simple that you don't see uh, permission of uh, permitting artificial use of substances is going to help fast bowlers.
0: no it's and see again when icc see, see, let's say that's what again i'm saying this is not a debate which you can conquer that easily because again the discussion will be okay Now what we can do? Kookaburra is making this ball. Here is the ball. Now you guys are allowed to use wax one side, right? So now when you were saying that our ball tempering should be allowed. So now wax or polish and all these things, what ICC was saying no, they are providing themselves, right? But that actually is not a ball tempering. I can understand. ICC says, okay, what do you do? You put Vaseline, you put wax one side, and other side here is the another blade or another bottle opener. You <laughs> can scratch other ball, other side also. <laughs> then it then it can make sense. Okay, now you can scratch ball as much as you want.
4: Uh,
0: unshiny side, other side, and shiny side you can only put wax. Uh, Vaseline or wax and then who knows? Polar says, Okay, give us one month, let us practice and suddenly you can put as much wax, as much Vaseline, whatever you want on the shiny side and other sides you rip it apart, no problem. Suddenly Pata laga over number seven is reversing. And then that's when we'll say this is unfair.
3: <laughs> so you're <laughs> saying that actually is tampering when you allow the rough yeah, yeah. other side to be roughed up. Only then that will work. Yeah. Just allowing Please, substances will not work in uh, No, 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 yeah. that will not work.
1: Okay, so here's where I'm at, Naga. Now, the moment you use a term like ball tampering, I immediately think, man, that's going to give such an advantage to bowlers. But after listening to someone like Anashish Nehra, who was extremely honest and open in his, in his interview, and to, uh, your interview, and to read your interview with Michael Holding as well, that's, that's not necessarily the case. They both are like, if you don't have you spit or saliva on the ball, bowlers are not going to be half as effective, particularly in the long formats of the game.
3: Yeah but look there's one thing you need to be the law 41.3 one of the subsections there clearly mentions that polishing the ball is permitted as long as you're not using any artificial substance okay the bowler or the fielder here you and that's the reason we are talking about the uh, cricket now uh what do you say allowing tampering to that extent okay so yes they are allowing tampering in that respect by allowing an artificial substance to be rubbed on for the sake of shining the ball. Now, what the point that Nera made was pretty interesting. Even if you allow that, he feels that it's not going to drastically facilitate swing uh, and um, benefit the bowlers, the bowling team. He, in fact, thinks the opposite. He reckons that the scores are likely to go higher. The path score... If it is 400, it might even be 500 or 600 to an extent at, at, at times. And the reason he feels is that uh, you use sweat and spit on different conditions, on different balls, on different types of wickets differently. You don't use it consistently all the time. You work on the ball. That's what I mean by working on the ball. That's working on the ball. And the other side is that, other side of his argument is that unless you're telling me that if you allow me to change the condition of the ball or rather scratch the ball, roughen up the ball from the other side, all this uh, permitting the use of uh, substances or artificial substances to shine the ball is not going to do help.
5: And it's it's
1: also interesting what uh, Michael Holding had to say. You did an, an excellent text piece with him. You, of course, spoke to around four five bowlers, I think. So, let's now go to crickinfo.com. Naga has a piece out where I think five of the world's top fast bowlers, ex-fast bowlers. I didn't speak. I mean, are... I spoke
3: to two of them.
1: Let's just be clear uh-huh, okay. about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you spoke with Mikey are... and with Nera.
3: Yeah, but we have some good uh, opinions from the likes of Vakar Yonis and Alan Donald. Uh, Vukar also is very, very, uh, what do you say, pessimistic about this move. Mm-hmm. Um, He in fact wants to play it really safe and not allow any sort of cricket. I think, if I read him right, uh, to happen Mm -hmm. before, you know, um, he he thinks that artificial artificial substance really is not the point of argument here. You need to be really. Isn't
1: that what um, Michael Holding is saying as well? It's it's either safe or it's not. There's no guessing. There's there's no midway point here. Yeah,
3: Mikey being Mikey, he's just been very straightforward and he's just been saying no chance. Either you tell me that you are playing in this biosecure environment, which is completely foolproof, or you're telling me there's something amiss, and then why take a chance?
1: So, so with the information that we have at hand, and I know you touched upon this point with, with Dan earlier in the episode as well, but there are still plenty of questions surrounding this proposal.
3: There are. I mean, personally, I would want to know, you're saying you don't rub saliva, but at the same time, fielders and bowlers, let's just say they are going to spit on the field, correct? Because as you exert you do that naturally right and the ball is going to roll over it it can roll over immediately out the moment you spit and no one knows about it and the spit and and if if the person has the virus let's say for you can't have the virus and play but let's say if you're worried about all this you're still going to touch it right you're still going to touch the ball so how do you kind of even at any level how, you, how are you going to kind of be like uh, safe in your mind that fine, it's fine, it's nothing's gonna happen. I mean, there are different questions like, but really, I mean, unless, I think we are in such a, it's a good thing that this debate has started right now. And as, as the weeks go on, we'll have more and more answers. Like we know now, right now, that sport in certain parts of the world is beginning this talk, this, um, Talks are progressing at a very advanced levels where already individual training has started behind closed doors so there'll be do's and don'ts there'll be some sort of things tried out and people will pass on that knowledge to others other sports will be looking forward to that so i think something good will materialize so yes cricket has started with this debate on saliva some other sport might look at it and think about how can we utilize this Um, and we ourselves are going to be finding out more and more answers to some of these simple FAQs even a listener our listeners will have, want to know
1: about excellent so so if any of our listeners go to quickinfo.com there's reactions from a lot of players on video and on text on on our website as well naga once again thank you so much for being on stump Mike.
3: thanks Karthik. take care bye
1: so welcome back to espn quick info stump mic and we have left naga in uh in england and we've come all the way to lahore as i'm joined by daniel rasool daniel how's it going in
5: lockdown hey not too bad um well decent enough still getting used to this sort of life Mm -hmm. so is it is it is it strict there like what's the scene in pakistan um the best answer to give would be i'm not sure because i haven't left the house but on the few occasions that i have needed to um, I feel it's it's not as strict as perhaps it could be, and even more so because now it's uh, Ramzan and around this mm-hmm. time, uh, around this time people do tend to um, go out in the morning or in the evening with, with mm-hmm. regard to prayers or fasting or breaking their fast, and it's also a commercial issue because a lot of people um, make. The most money of the year during this mm-hmm. um, around around this month, and so it's hard to tell them to just completely shut all business activity when there hasn't been any significant stimulus package from our government just yet. So yeah, it's a difficult situation for people as well. It's everyone has to make diffi- difficult decisions. So yeah, we'll see how it goes.
1: True, but 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 you're looking well. Hope your family is safe and sound. Yeah, and thank you so far. and over the past couple of days this week, you've had a whole lot of work to do as well because he's at it again. Umar Akmal, for those who are listening in, and I'm sure you're aware if you're listening in, has been banned by the PCB for three years for failing to report corrupt approaches. It is just the latest in Umar Akmal's rap sheet, which just seems to be getting longer and longer and longer.
5: Uh, yes, Umar um, Akmal, uh, the thing about Umar Akmal is um, it's hard to look upon him as one single cricketer. You tend to look upon the Akmal as a band of brothers and as for better or for worse, sometimes um if Omar Akmal's done something, it just tends to reflect badly on Kamran Akmal as well, and mm-hmm. that sometimes I would say that has uh, um that has hurt his career to some extent. But yeah, the Akmal's in general are big news in Pakistan because they have uh, they have a reputation for both being talented but also controversial. Everyone uh, says that at least about Omar Akmal, and yeah, I mean if you look at when since when he made his debut about over ten years ago. Um, you almost lose count of the number of times he's found a way of getting himself in trouble. This obviously is the most serious um, uh, blow to his career and we still don't know whether he'll recover from it.
1: So so the facts of this case are that he was he had failed to report corrupt approaches before the PSL. Is that right?
5: Yes. So there aren't too many details about the corrupt approaches, but the nature of the case is this. Um, on the day of the PSL, February 20th, the PCB announced that Omar Akmal had been provisionally suspended um under its anti-corruption court there wasn't even uh, nobody even knew whether it was for failing to report corrupt approaches or something more serious we just knew he had been provisionally suspended for a violation of the anti-corruption court later it did emerge that uh, he had failed to um, report two corrupt approaches and then a month later when the pcb formally charged him um he somewhat surprisingly decided not to contest um uh, basically contested charges and which would have taken the case to a hearing. Essentially, he threw himself um, into the mercy of the courts mm-hmm. um, regard, um, regarding what sentence he'd get, and this is where we, we where we ended up.
1: So, why why I say that his rap sheet was getting longer and longer is because for our social team, which um, which I'm a part of, we did a graphic yesterday on on Umar Akmal. And it was the first time I had to literally list down all his infractions. And there is stuff from rash driving to brawls in theaters to that infamous case recently where he in, in his fitness test, he was nude.
5: Like, yeah, like yeah. he's just, he just, he just, he just
1: stranger actually, and stranger for with Hubarakwal. Yeah,
5: I actually I actually um I was in touch with the social team when I uh when I was writing up a listicle of all his uh, Uh, all all, all the times he'd gotten himself in trouble and this was three years ago so we actually had to update it from time to time um I think it it, the thing is it began um it he didn't help himself because it began when he had uh, made his debut in New Zealand and had that amazing test match but then just five months later when Kamran Akmal was about to be dropped for a very poor performance of the Sydney test he apparently feigned an injury um to skip the third test in protest at his brother being dropped. And that's where people thought Omar Akmal was this entitled kid who needed to mm-hmm. mature. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, he He's gotten himself, as you say, he's gotten himself arrested for ass driving, for misbehaving with police officers, for brawling in theatres, for um, criticizing his own head coach, Mickey Arthur, for not being fit a number of times, yeah. and obviously um, exposing himself, uh, to put it mildly, at the fitness test most recently. So yeah, the irony is, his latest charge sheet is the opposite of what his second most recent charge sheet was he didn't he wasn't uh, he didn't expose the details of what had happened clearly enough this time <laughs> as opposed to what had happened two months ago
1: okay so here's where I'm at now umar has not played a test match since twenty eleven he's okay. played a handful of limited overs games over the past for the past four years i know he made a comeback in 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 twenty nineteen but why is it? that when there is news about umar akmal it's 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 big it's big in pakistan i think it's big in world cricket as well you just you just see the reactions every time his name appears appears in the news so what is that allure that umar akmal holds
5: i mean somebody should write an article about it at some point i might but i think i think the most basic um, the most basic and most obvious explanation is he is an akmal and obviously the three international cricketers that that family has produced two of them very high profile Kamran Akmal had a fairly solid career. Omar Akmal, the thing with Omar Akmal is he was billed as this exceptionally talented cricketer. Who when he uh, when he merged onto the scene, there were comparisons with inzamam haq locally inside Pakistan. We thought he would be the next Inzamam or hold that sort of place. And then a little later, actually, comparisons that didn't date very well, comparisons with Virat Kohli even, (laughs) Um, lots of (laughs) comparisons because it's easy to forget he actually scored 100 when he was 19 and Kohli didn't score his first till he was 22 or something. So Omar Akmal was seen as this guy who was going to lead this young generation out all around the world, not just in Pakistan. But then as his infractions grew longer and longer, people initially didn't blame him. I think they blamed the PCB more because they said, mm-hmm. oh, the PCB has a history of spoiling and ruining talented cricketers, and they need to do better. You can't just blame the individual every time. But then his, it just became harder and harder to defend him. While at the same time, people had emotionally invested so much in Akmal at a time when Inzaman, Muhammad Yusuf had retired, Yunus was on the wane, and people thought we really needed a batsman in the middle order, a young batsman to carry us through. And a lot of people thought Omar Akmal was going to be that guy. So every time he scored a few hundred in a domestic game, which to his credit, he has done a number of times, whenever he's been dropped, he's done well in a T20 a competition locally in Pakistan. He's done well in, uh, in the Azam trophy or in some other con- At the first PSL, he was the highest run scorer. So domestically, he's always found a way to try and keep himself relevant and in the conversation for another call-up. And so, yeah, people have never really been prepared to let Akmal go. They might now, but until now they haven't.
1: And there was this interesting piece by our colleague, Osman Samiuddin as well, who detailed some of this. It's, this was back again. You mentioned 2017. This piece was in 2017 as well. The terrible fall of, of Umar Akmal where he says how Umar went from potential stardom to being an irrelevant sideshow. Uh, again, one, one line of that piece stands out and it's something that you've mentioned as well where, where Osman writes that it sounds a little much now, but some of those early innings by Umar, Umar Akmal were lit as you, you get what I'm saying. Phenomenal. Like,
5: yeah. That's the thing. It wasn't just that, um, he he uh, he. It was. It didn't look like he had a purple patch at the start of his career. It just looked like that's the kind of classy batsman he was. Um, who? Which Pakistani player goes to New Zealand, uh, makes his debut in New Zealand, and scores a hundred there in his first mm-hmm. test and a fifteen in the second innings? Um, he he was just this player who whose talent was already so obviously outshining the rest of his teammates that you thought, oh, where will this guy? where will this guy go? He's going places already. And when it didn't happen, there was a tendency to blame everyone but him for a long, Mm -hmm. long time because um, this has happened in Pakistan a few too many times and often it hasn't been the players fault. But then Omar Akmal, unfortunately, maybe he hasn't surrounded himself with the right people. Maybe he hasn't had the best attitude. Um, Maybe initially, perhaps he was uh, slightly unfairly treated by the media. It's hard to say. But yeah, at some point, you have to look at the player and say, um, he isn't doing enough to make the most of his career, and I think that point came a long time ago. This is just—it's uh, just weary resignation by now that this is what Umar mm-hmm. Akmal's career, unfortunately, will be like.
1: Is there a sense that—and I know that uh, Umar Akmal's rap sheet is long, his indiscretions have been many—but is there a sense that in the last day or two, when this news has come out, that he has been treated unfairly? Because I'm looking at precedents and for similar. For, for similar cases, like Mohammed Irfan has sat out six months, even Shaqibullah son, who was similarly reported for not, uh, f- was given a ban for not reporting an approach, was banned for two years, out of which one year was suspended. So an effective one-year ban for Shakib as well. Is this a sense that this is probably the end of Umar Akmal in Pakistan,
5: Kalas? I think, I think it is fair to point out that he has been treated more harshly than any other player, I think, ever who failed to report a corrupt approach, if that is the only allegation. And yeah, because if you look at examples inside Pakistan, you have uh, Mohammed Irfan and Mohammed Nawaz who were charged, mm-hmm. if I'm not wrong, they were charged for similar offenses and they served once. Uh, they, oh, Irfan got a 12 month ban, suspended six months. Mohammed Nawaz was back after two months. So, yes, the thing is, he has been treated more harshly and his rap sheet perhaps has played a part in that. The second bit that we, Umar Ahmed didn't speak to the media, so we don't know what he was thinking, but um, at Rizvi, the, at the first Rizvi, the PCB lawyer, he said, that part of the reason the judge gave that sentence was Omar, while accepting, uh, the punish- uh, accepting the charges and throwing himself at the mercy of the courts, tried to have his cake and eat it too by giving a lengthy explanation of why um, he had fallen into the trap that he had. And the judge viewed that as lack of remorse because you can't accept the charges and then continue to try and justify them apparently at length as Ahmad did. So yes, He didn't make a good decision there. He was representing himself. Maybe that wasn't a good idea either. But yeah, I think it is lack of remorse and just the sheer length of the charge sheet that I guess compelled the judge to impose this exemplary sentence.
1: Mm -hmm. And Akmal's namesake and our colleague Umar Farooq has written a piece on on that as well. Like He was given a harsh penalty because of the lack of remorse. So listener, go check that out. Go check out Osman's previous piece as well. We'll try and get Daniel to write one for you also, but Daniel, for today, thank you so much for coming on ESPN Quick Info Stump Mike. It was my pleasure. This was ESPN Quick Info Stump Mike. Use hashtag Stump Mike and reach out to us on Twitter or any other social media platform. Until next time, stay clean, and stay safe.